be following Willie Moore and Moore. Oh, in the NRL. As Willie Moore has forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Wow. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Welcome to episode number four of the Take with Willie Mason. We are currently ensconced in our underground bunker, and this time we are very sensibly uh, two metres apart, Six as foot. you can see from our tape measure. We've also managed to get some black market hand sanitizer, and we're ready to go, Will. Yeah. Do you feel go. safe? Yeah, I do. Let do it you go. want it back? <laughs> there you go. I do, actually. I'm all right. I'll tell you what's not safe at the moment is the NRL because obviously since we spoke last week, the NRL has been pulled from, well, from everything really. Yeah. Um, the clubs are in strife. The NRL, I mean, are they in strife too? I think so. It's, uh, it is very, very strange times at the moment for, for the whole world. And the NRL is just a, is a little splash in what's happening at the moment. But obviously it affects me, it affects you because we love the NRL. I'm a former player and a massive fan of the game and I'm friends with a lot of people still in the game and how it's affecting, you know, a lot of the players and a lot of the administrators and coaches, assistant coaches, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I can feel their pain because I know how hard those guys work, how hard they work in preseason, all that hard work that they've put into video sessions when you're assistant coaches, when you're a strapper, you, you're the gear stewardess, you're organising stuff. If you're in marketing, all the little people that people don't really know, all people think is, oh, the NRL is just like 17 players and that's it. I know it goes into building a whole club and there's, uh, there's 16 clubs out there that are hurting really bad. And I, I re- my heart goes out to them, uh, them and their families. They're all affected. And, um, you know, we'll get through this. As a, as a nation and as a as the world, I suppose. Well, mate, Everybody's let's let's affected. look at it. Let's look at it. I mean, obviously, being an ex-player, looking at it from a player's perspective, yeah, you're essentially now you're in a position. I mean, it was coming. They were always going to shut yeah. the game down. We're in a position now where, as a player, there is virtually zero chance that you're going to be played your full contract for the rest of the mm. year. And I can see it from both sides. I mean, the players sign contracts in good faith. Yeah. But in saying that. There's a heap of people out there. Hospitality's been destroyed. Like, everyone's hurting. So NRL yeah. players aren't exempt from the fact that this is happening. So how do you think they can handle this in a fair way? As you said, like, the whole world is affected. Like, um, the Olympics has shut down. Yeah. You know, like, things, you know, big the biggest sporting event in in the history of sports, like, the Olympics is is done. They've, called, they've pulled the pin on that. And so that just gives you some sort of you know, level to where things are. Sport has become Sport, uh, secondary to people's health, Yes, it is, because the main, the main thing is is getting through this as a nation and as as just a population and everybody together. It's it's more than – it's bigger than f- football. It's bigger than rugby league, AFL, all these sports, cricket. Everything is done. You know, now it's just about just surviving this whole pandemic. You cricket, know? Last, cricket are pumped. It's, it's a winter it's, sport, it's I think. Pretty, <laughs> like, it's, it's surreal like, to think that – you know, I'm nearly 40 years old. You're, what, 41, 42? Like, what? We're living through this whole thing. Yeah. You know, like... It's a once then, in a life. Then I just try and think, and I've got a lot of empathy, and I, and I think a lot with, with other people where, you know, like 70-year-olds and 70, 80-year-olds, you know, they went through the world wars and stuff. But I think this is different. You know, the wars obviously affect everybody different. 
But who are we fighting here? This is totally different, isn't it? Like, it's just a different feeling. I feel it on the streets. I feel it during sport. I'm, I, obviously, the whole city's not on lockdown. But, like, in the last couple of... Like, I always walk sort of about five or six times a, a week. Nothing crazy. And, like, the last sort of uh, week, it's just... There's about... There's every single kid out there playing, doing things, playing with a family. It looks, it looks really good. Like, this is what it should be. It looks like a kid growing up in the 90s like I did. But we're still not taking it that serious, like because you can still you're still within this social distancing thing. It's not happening. Everyone's staying at home, but everyone's just doing their own shit at home. So I'm not sure what sort of levels we can take and how drastic we can go. But would you like to use the draconian sex? rules? Would you, is no, that would it? you? Well, that is draconian. But would you like to use the hand sanitizer <laughs> now? Are you feeling? Stay away from me. But the thing I, is, I just I, I don't know. Like obviously, this is. Predominantly a rugby league show, but it's a bit different now because it's the world and the whole nation's hurting and everybody. So my, I got a lot of empathy. I got, I, I worry, as I said last week, I worry about the elderly. I worry about, you know, um, just affecting other people. Other people, like we don't even know if we're we're carriers or not. How would how do we get tested? You're you're a pharmacist. How do how do we get tested? Well, you don't need to get tested unless you've been in contact with. There you go. Um, there we go. Thanks, Will. I'm just putting, for those that can't see us, I'm just putting hand sanitizer on because we are taking our safety and the safety of others very seriously on the take. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, realistically, at this stage, from a health perspective, there's been eight deaths in Australia. There's about 2,500 cases in Australia as it stands. Um, what I would like to caution people don't flood the healthcare system if there's no reason to get tested. Um, if you don't have symptoms, if you haven't been in contact, if you haven't been overseas, then for now, just make sure you stay away from people. Use your hand sanitizer or, to be honest, just wash your hands. It's just as yeah. important. And I think if we all stick together through this, we'll be fine. That's that's my opinion on this. But, um, you know, I guess moving back to how it affects rugby league yeah. and how it affects rugby league players. I mean, we've got mates that are in hospitality. Mm. They've lost, you know, bars are shut, restaurants are shut, people are hurting. Yeah, Rugby a, league cannot expect to yeah. be exempt As from. I said, I mean, I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but it's hard to only think about rugby league when you know the whole world is hurting. It's not like it's just in Australia, it's in the Southern Hemisphere, and the whole world. So it's hard for me to just pinpoint and go, okay, how is rugby league hurt? How is rugby league hurting? But I actually know because I know how it is to be a player. If you told me even last week you're going to play in front of no one, that would affect me somehow. You know, like I know I know the, the backs like um, Blake Ferguson and Fox and all these guys, they love that shit. They love running out to, an, to, a, to the fans. I used to love running out to the fans. Love me... Or hated me. It does. It does. It didn't matter. You just love that whole, you know, running out and just feeling that crowd just sort of get behind you, or boo the shit out of you. Who gives a fuck? You but enjoyed when that bloke at Suncorp threw that rum and coke at your head, did you? Yeah, that was. Yeah, we'll go into that later. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> but um, I just think, uh, yeah, I, I do feel for the players, man, because as I said, like running out last week would have been empty. Because as a young kid, when I was growing up, and I was like, far out, look at all these New South Wales players and um, Australia and, and, and back then, what, New South Wales Rugby League or whatever it was, used to run out in massive crowds. And that's what you, that's what you want to, that's your goals that you set when you're younger. It's like, I want to play in front of crowds. Like you play in front of like 10 people and 20 people when you're younger. You don't care because mm. you want to get to that, that main goal. And that's for AFL as well. They went through that just for one round. They went out and... Watched in the MCG, it was like 100,000 100, fit into that place. 
Then I watched Homebush when the Bulldogs were fucking disgusting against the Cowboys. That's the 85,000 capacity. And I'm like, I feel, I feel so sorry for the, for, the, for the fans as well and mainly for the players. So I, knew, I haven't been through that, but I was just like, wow, that's the pinnacle of the game. Some of these kids were making their debut. I'm like, wow, there's no crowd. People like saved, that, you know, to be honest, you'd give your money back if you're a Bulldog supporter after last week. That was, that was I mean, I, I've been – they're lucky – Honestly, that there wasn't a crowd because they would have got booed off and shit would have been thrown at them. Trust me, I've been play, play that club for ten years, and I think one year we'll come. We come second in two thousand one, and we put on a really bad performance for only half the game, and we got shit thrown at us like we were just like we deserved it. I mean, no one really deserves you. You deserve booed. getting stuff thrown. I don't know, not stuff. It? We deserve to get booed because I know how hardcore they are, and they they expect they expect to win. They expect you to win, or it's not even about the win, it's about the effort. All right, I'm going to ask you a series of yes or no questions, and I just want you to answer whatever honestly comes into your head at this stage. Do the players need to take a pay cut? For the greater good of ah, the game. Yes or no? Yes. Will the NRL come back this year? No. Do you think the NRL can survive if it doesn't? Yes. All right. There we go. Yeah, I just think I think the game is is too important to Australia. It's it's it seems like it's run by the right people now. I told you, Valandis was Valandis good. is a bit of a nut job. He's but ruthless. He does some good shit, man. Because I've seen other chairmen like that Peter Beatty. Is it Peter Beatty? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He was fucking awful. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he was some of the shit. He didn't know Cameron Smith's name and all this kind of stuff. Just real garbage stuff. But this Valandis dude, he's come on and he's tried to. He's got the most out of what he could in the in this short time. It's been one of the. This is, this is just a year like. I mean, nobody nobody set out for this. There was no. Nobody knows what's going. It's just brand new territory for everyone. Everybody's rattled, and we need good leadership in the NRL. And I in thought this Dave Gallup had a tough job. I think job. Gallup's a, Gallup's you know, a legend. And now look at Volandis. Volandis. I mean, Dave Gallup. I thought had the worst job in the world. I'm pretty sure Volandis just topped him because yeah. trying to run a code that is now faced with no revenue. And, and, and just some of the, the basic figures, the NRL get $13 million a week from the broadcast. So every week that there's no NRL, then there's $13 million in a hole. Mm. Um, they've got about $150 million apparently in the bank, but they have to give the clubs $1.2 million yeah. again every week. So you're looking at three months, four months where the NRL is some real, they're in some real strife. Mm. And if we don't come back, like the players, you know, they're going to have to take a pay cut because they probably won't have a choice. I think Clint Newton is doing a great job. He's the CEO of the RLPA. He's doing everything he can for the players. But at the end of the day, if, if you get told that they won't, that you have to take a pay cut for the game to survive, the players are willing to do that because they have got the biggest responsibility on planet Earth no, that's a little bit too far. You reckon? <laughs> just to players, NRL has the yeah, biggest yeah, responsibility exactly. on planet Earth. But you know what that's I mean? Like they've got the, one of the biggest responsibilities in probably NRL history is to is to probably take a pay cut. And like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, but like, just for the greater good of the game, and if they get if they get dealt those cards, I'm I'm pretty sure the players will, because it just means so much. To the, to the people and to the fans and to the players and the administrators and everybody. Well, we've been going nearly 120 years. And you look at now, like every – there's I think five clubs now have basically said, 
you know what, that's it. We're shutting down. We're not mm. paying everyone from the front desk all the yeah. way through. So players cannot be exempt from this. No. And, and, and to be honest, if you look at it as a football club, players shouldn't have to be. You know what I mean? Because you've got play, you've got people that have been lifelong members or lifelong um, employees of certain clubs. They've been working, you know, and you've been in a number yeah. of footy clubs. You can essentially look at it and you can say, well, there's people there that are just, um, you know, they've been working on the front desk. There's strappers. There's all these people that are involved with a footy club that people don't see because they're not. Like That's a, what I said before. I know exactly what goes in a rugby league club. I know exactly who's feeling it because I know who the, the strappers are, the gear stewardess, the, the marketing, the GMs, the football manager, everything that goes into building a football club, a rugby league club. It's it's huge. It's, it's more than the players. The players go out there, we put on a great product, we play the game real, we play the game tough, play the game as hard as we can, and that's all we can do. And we get the players get, you know, most of the money. Yeah. But, Man, it's just it's so hard to like just put my finger on how players are going to be feeling right now with with everything. It's just like I mean, I've been uh, part of the, uh, away from the game for what four years. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not that far distance. You know what I mean? I know what it's like to be an NRL player. You're pretty old. You know, yeah, a, I know. I'm nearly it's been forty. A fair while. I'm nearly forty. Does Catalan? I'm going to be in lockdown. Does that count? 40th. That Catalan on your? Fucking you are no. actually your fortieth. I just, just bombed your fortieth. Yeah. Well, we're here for my fortieth. We're in the bar. It's on a Wednesday. We're in the bunker. <laughs> we'll need more hand sanitizer. <laughs> but um, I just feel, I just really feel sorry. I, I feel for the players. They're going to do everything they can to get this game back on track. They've got massive responsibilities, and we can only get through it together. I, I mean, as a whole, as a nation, and as as a club, and everything. It's just it's, it's bigger than clubs. That's why a lot of players they're not really that concerned. They're concerned about playing football because they love football. If you take that away from me when I was playing, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do because all we do is football because you come out of school, you want to be a pro athlete, you do you, you do so much hard work to get to first grade, you finally get there and you maintain, you're a full-time, full-time footballer, you eat, sleep, shit, football, rugby league, you are the pro's pro, you know what I mean? Like You are a professional at the, the most right now. It, it, it epitomizes everything to be a pro right now. In the 2000s, it wasn't really a, like as crazy as it is now. You know, but I went through the 2000s and into the 2010s, half of it. But now it's, it's a lot more pressure on these players off the field to be a pro and everything like that. So that's all you want to do. And now all of a sudden this gets taken from you. You know, it's, it's, it's disheartening. I mean, a lot of players, put, and, and I look at players in, in different levels of their game, whether it be a Cameron Smith, or whether it be like a Billy Walters, you know? Two I genuinely totally think spectrums. the like, hardest thing for you in this hole with the rugby league shutdown would have been the shutdown of the pubs and clubs. Like, what well, football's one thing, but, I mean, you did your I best know. work at Sapphire, didn't you? Well, that was some of my best work. Some of your best work? Hello, Hass. It's only one club. Hello, Hass. It's only one. I was spoken to Hass, but, uh, I mean, and, and that's another thing. I mean, it's totally different. So, I mean, you've, you went through the 2000s, the same as I did. It was fun as hell. Mm. But times have changed. Cross sucks right now. It's no, not even fun. Players don't really want to go out. They just like, I mean, players, it's changing with the times, but, you know. Tinder and Xbox now. Yeah, it is. Very Fortnite. sad for them. Fortnite. <laughs> but, Mate, one, yeah. thing, one thing I guess that um, I've seen if, if on social media, there's people, at, they're asking essentially for money back for their memberships because there's no football. Now, I tend to think, if you're going to support your club through the good times, then you have to support them through the bad times. People asking for, for refunds. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are doing it tough. They've lost mm. their job. 
Um, but how do you feel? Like if someone, if you're running a club and someone asked for their membership money back that they'd paid, and, and, and I'm not saying that people don't necessarily deserve it back, it's just my opinion, yeah. but what do you reckon? Do you reckon they should get their money back on that? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard one because obviously, as I said, like the, the clubs, this is how it works. I mean, like you're getting 70 to 75% from the TV. That's what we get. And then the rest is coming from the revenue, the memberships and all that stuff, game day, what comes in, the gate, all that kind of stuff. And that all gets used. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Somehow. And I understand. Like, And the clubs are going through some really hard shit. So to refund what? I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand to, to members? Be more than that, I reckon. Probably members. Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think, talking, I think it sounds might like be. got 20,000 members. 20,000 members, you know, um, the Bulldogs, all that. They're around about... They're not as high as the AFL, but we're around, you know, we're about 20 to 25, maybe 15 to 25. There's very little to do in Melbourne. These blokes have got nothing yeah, to do. Nothing they sign else up. to do. It's miserable. Well, I'll give you an idea. I did some research. because I'm joking. Good. I love Melbourne. No, you don't. I do. Hello, PK. <laughs> I've had How a you go, PK? I'm good at research, as you know. So I had a look at Broncos are probably considered one of the glamour clubs. And to be honest, they should be. They're, they're, they're up there. They're basically on their own. I mean, we don't count the Titans because the Titans are shit house, But... Last year, the Broncos had $52 million in revenue. You should stop stalking clubs and everyone today. Oh, just, you know what, research. <laughs> I did some research today. They caught stalking. Do you need some more hand sanitizer? So <laughs> they had about $15 million in the bank. Now, they spend $22 million a year on payroll alone, right, just mm. with staff. Wow. So you think about that. Broncos are considered wow. to be one of the top clubs. That I'd, I'd assume that includes players as well. Yeah. But if they're paying out $22 million per annum with no revenue, mate, that's a recipe of disaster. Yeah. disaster. And they are the blue chip um, club in the NRL and everybody else is way, way down. So you can only understand, you can only just sort of just imagine what the Titans are like. Mm. West Tigers, you know, um, a couple of these clubs in Sydney. I mean, even the Roosters, the Roosters got a lot of money, but their revenue and everything, what they're making, everybody's in the red apart from about three clubs. So... It's uh, it's, it's going to be some hard work, man. I, I don't think we've seen this thing hasn't peaked yet. Well, let's have a look at some of the clubs. I mean, if you there's been talk over the last few years that there's too many clubs in Sydney and blah blah blah. But mm. I mean, Manly, the Penn family, and you've you've played for yeah. Manly, obviously. Yeah. So I mean, you used to get changed out of the back of your car at yeah. Narrabeen Sports Grounds, yeah. you know. So the Pens have had to prop that club up for a long time. At what point, with no revenue, as a, and it's a family business, they, they do, I don't know what mm. they do, they do something. They've obviously made a lot of money out of it. Pens. Good on them. Hey? They make pens. <laughs> they invented the biro. Yeah. But, Loaded. you know, they, they're now in a position where, what do they do? Do they front? I mean, if, mm. they, if this club loses and 20 running, million bucks a year. they're running at a loss now anyway. Exactly. So like, where, where do they stop? Do, when do I, they I just honestly, throw their hands I honestly up? don't know where this money's going to come from. When the TV money runs out, because you know, if you read the fine print, when they go, you know, salaries are going to be guaranteed for three months. That's it. Yeah, that's all it's going to be guaranteed for. And then the clubs will be, you know, giving you the phone call. Oh, do you want to come in? Do you want to restructure? You want to restructure that uh, that contract that you're on? You just signed a four year deal at you know eight nine hundred thousand. You know, can you take five hundred for the next year or two, and we'll give you the back end? Do you know what I mean? So it's it's that's the sort of talks that you're going to have. And for the game to float and for the game to go further, I'm not sure. I think they're going to play that card. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure the game is going to survive. But do the players have to take these big pay cuts right now? 
Well, where do they go? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, you as they're gonna you're gonna be put in a corner. I'm just trying to think as a player what's gonna happen right now. Is when you do when you when when all the dust does settle and the game goes okay. We we need this this and this to get back into the black. Players are gonna have to take massive pay cuts. Each club's gonna get that whole email sent from the NRL. Players need clubs need to take X amount of dollars. We need you to do this. You're gonna to go to all your best players. Like you need to take two hundred thousand, you know, three hundred thousand pay cut. You know, like a year. Well, we'll I try and hit you on the back end when the game keeps going on in two or three years. That's the sort of conversations that's going to be going on. And I'll tell you what, if you look at over the last probably five years, probably more than that actually, French rugby or Japanese rugby, yeah. that's been the they, they dangle that carrot. I'm going to go. Oh, you don't sign me. I'm going mm. over, mate. That carrot's gone now yeah, because at the end is. of the day, you've got what four hundred first grade rugby league yeah. players and if they're going to earn half of what they're going to earn now then all of a sudden the money in union starts yeah. looking pretty good overseas it does. but is that still there you know it's just it's a brave new well, world well everybody's going to cut cop a loss isn't it union's going to cop a loss 100 the only difference is is 100 comps we've got one premier comp yeah which is the NRL everyone wants to play here super league is the second best comp they'll stay up there and do their best but everyone wants to play NRL NRL is the pinnacle of the game you want to stay here you want to test yourself here but what if you're that young kid, you know, coming through? You know, like this, uh, that young kid, Joseph Suwali, young kid for South. Like he's, he's goes, he goes to Kings. He's going straight back to Union. Yeah, exactly. So South offered him. He'll, he'll be, he's cut between a Greg Inglis and a Sunnyville. He's going to be a freak. So can you imagine? I, and I know for a fact that the Wallabies already offered him a cap already. Yeah. Not that sort of cap. <laughs> but they've offered him that and the difference is that he wants to play NRL because they know NRL is the pinnacle of the game pinnacle it's the training it's the mentality it's all that kind of stuff and then you get all that all those attributes from, from NRL and then go back to play union so what happens so think, what happens if league becomes semi-professional what happens if these blokes are running out and they're getting paid you know nowhere near what they're getting paid now mm. does, does NRL still have the same luster that it does now yeah, I think so because I, um, I honestly think that the game will survive and players still want to play our game and we'll still breed the best athletes and the best, best young kids in the world. So I think it's just it's what we've built in the last sort of 10 years, people actually want that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, th- I think it's like people go, okay, well, union sort of gr- gravitate towards us because we, we seem to breed better athletes coming through backs, not forwards, you know, the Israel Falaus and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think it'll, it'll be, it'll be that game that it will survive, but look, to be honest with you, I don't know too many top level rugby union coaches Mm. that don't watch rugby league, you know, in mostly all of the, look, if you look at the union defensive patterns, all of those things, they're following rugby league. I just think rugby league's main. It's hard to say because I can't, it's hard to say because I can't actually picture the game not being here. It'll be or here not, in some or not form. surviving yeah. when players jumping ship to go play union because I think union's going to be hurting. I know I, union's I a big global think, game. Yeah, I know it is a global game, and I just think, but the French the French comp will be competent, like they're done. The English comp, Japanese, every everything is is suffering at the moment. So like, just say in six months or eight months or ten months or twelve months when they go, all right, we're back on, everyone's copped the loss. They, as you said, they're not going to go to, and the NRL players are going to go. Oh, I'm just going to fuck off to France. There'll be well, none of that. Now. There'll be none of that. There won't be because everybody has to stick in their own little space for a little bit. Everyone has a responsibility to grow the game back. Union and league. League, probably the biggest responsibility is stay back in here, dig your heels in and get this game back on. Because I know it's 
they've been given a responsibility these young kids and they have to deal with it because we we need these young kids to do that i just mate to be honest with you i just don't see when these kids especially if you look at like the under 20s comp and when these kids were coming through as you've said before they had all the kit they walk through they're in the league club they're, they're bigging it up and mm. you know there hasn't been that much resilience bred into these kids they just sit there and they go i'm a superstar and that's it all of a sudden you take that away and there's yeah. a very very thin layer between being a superstar and, mm. and and you know having people want your autograph and you know the money and all that comes with it if you've actually got to do that hard work and those pre-seasons and those things that you used to have to do yeah. and there's not the rewards at the end of it mate i don't know it, it's it's hard it'll be a hard one i just think yeah you're talking what are you are you talking the schoolboys 17 18 19 no i'm olds, saying what if these about? blokes have to come back and have it like the old days in the 80s and they have to have a job during the day and they go to training at night. That's what happens too then? That's a hard basket, mate, for young kids, as you said. I don't think they do they don't think they do have the resilience to be That's what I'm saying. Player. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I just don't think. And that's in every code, really. Yeah. Especially and, and in union and, and, and in league. These kids just want a lot. That's on a whole different subject. But, I mean, they don't really teach resilience these days because young kids, just say if you're 18, 19, you... You get dropped, you get a little bit of flack from your coach. Ask for a fucking release. Yeah, that's right. Straight away. It's not like I'll dig my I'm heels in fight. and try and get no. better. All right, you want to drop me? You want to do this? All right, I'm going to get better and be better than that person. There's none of that. Talk to your manager. Get me out of this club. The coach hates me. Because I'm mean, the race you, card out. Oh, this, this, fuck off. Just your, train harder. Your, Work harder. Your trajectory, honestly, was unheard of. I mean, not unheard of, but it was of the games elite. You know, you came through, you were 20, 21, you're playing first grade, you're straight through. And then from then, you're playing for Australia at 22. You know, you look at these kids now. What about the ones that are not at that level, right? Because those ones will still go through and they'll, mm. they'll, they'll level. But if you're a mid tier player and all of a sudden you've got to be, you know, I, I, being a, a Bricky's labourer or whatever, yeah. and then you've got to go to training at five o'clock. Man, that's hard, Yaka. What are the chances of that happening, but I reckon it's high. You reckon? I reckon it's high. Because Mate, it, do you reckon so the TV will come down? Everything will come everything down. Everything will come down yep. until oh wow. And then so, so what I do you really do? Really thought of that. There's no money there. If there's no money there, then these players all of a sudden become semi-professional. If it becomes semi-professional, blokes have to work. You're like Jackie Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it's ter it's a terrible actually thought process to even go through. I can't even think of that. I can't fathom it being a young kid doing that because, as I said, like when you're a young kid, all you want to do is play rugby league at a professional level, and now you've got a taste of it. Imagine going back. I, I can't. I can't imagine going. I can't imagine the game going back to that to that sort of degree. I don't think the game will lose that much money. But you know what I'm like. I'm, I'm an optimist about anything. Yeah, of course. But I'm just thinking, man. I don't, I don't think that. I just don't think that can happen. These young kids will Mate, not, will not do happen. it. They wouldn't do it. But no. what happens? Just say so. Let's. If we had to. If you had to pick now three clubs that wouldn't survive this, who would they be? Titans. Um, Titans, and then it'd have to be two Sydney clubs. So Manly, I reckon, would have to be up there. Manly struggling, and probably the Tigers. Tigers, you Because I think something out west has to go because well, how many clubs you got? You got uh, the Bulldogs, you got West Tigers out of Campbelltown as well, Parramatta, Penrith. Mm. Like someone has to go. You, you, you're talking about a 55-kilometre radius out there with four, four massive NRL teams. So if anything, one, the only of, thing, one, of, one Tigers, of those teams might go. Tigers have got a pretty impressive leagues club. 
Yeah. I mean, that's Penrith, you know, Penrith Lee Sub's huge. Parramatta's is huge. But they're all Bulldogs shut is now, huge. You know? They're all bigger than the Tigers. Oh, for sure. That's what I mean. So the Tigers are probably the small fish in that. You have to look at Balmain's League Club. It's not there. What happened with that? It's been sitting there for 20 years. <laughs> Someone get Benny it. Benny Elias owns it, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, but that's what oh, I mean. I mean, I worry about the game. I worry about the future of the game. It's, uh, it's, it's, as I said, like I am an optimist and I never really think of the worst case. I, I, the worst case scenario is like that, like being part-time. Well, when you first started, blokes, I mean, it was Super League changed the game in terms mm. of the money that came in then. Yeah. And blokes were getting offered massive contracts in mm. those days. And so, but when you were there, I mean, you, you were still, I, when I you came down, you, you were working, yeah. Yeah, you were well, working in I was lucky enough financially to be on enough coin to sort of just not work. But I wasn't full time. I didn't. Didn't, turn... you work, didn't you work in a factory or something? Yeah, right. for like a, about a, a month. Me yeah. and Ryan O'Hara just cutting rubber or something, putting it on. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was a weird job. Oh, I can't even. I can't even explain it. Someone goes, "Did you actually work?" I'm, I said, "I worked for about a month, and then I played first grade, and that was it." Yeah, never yeah, had a job, have you? You've no, actually never had no, a job. No, no, no. And that's why I worry about some of these kids right now. And that's what I say. All your dreams are when you're younger is just to play first grade. I want to play first grade. Get the fuck out of my way. Whatever I have to do, just get me to, just get me to the NRL. Mm. And you work your ass off. I'm not, it's not an, it's, it is not easy and it's the hardest, it's probably one of the hardest, hardest jobs you can do but the most rewarding to be a pro athlete. And I've lived it and I know what it's about. So I, know, I understand if that got taken away from me just say 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I, I wouldn't know what to do. You'd be a bank teller. I'd be something. Straight You'd back be good at a, being a rocket science or something like that. You'd be, or you're rock, rock, rock star. Scientist, rock, rock star. Rock. I don't yeah. know. I just, I just, I just think the game has been around for a lot. You know, hundred and what ten, ten years. No, no, no. Hundred ten years. Whatever you do. No, no, no. Whatever. Yeah. It's one hundred and years. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Um, I just think it'll survive. Survive world. A couple of world wars. I hope it does. I mean, the, I don't the, see it not. I mean, like Australia needs sport. I mean, AFL is. I mean, I know this is predominantly an NRL sport. AFL is the biggest sport in Australia. Just suck it up. NRL is the biggest sport on the East Coast. What about Zumba? That's the third. Is that a sport? That's third. That's the third <laughs> biggest one in the world. But I mean, yeah, I just don't think I don't see Australia without rugby league. Yeah, look, I think the main thing is whether or not it comes back in the same form that it's back. It's if you lose so clubs. hard, I mean, I'm just trying to think. From when I first debuted, I knew I come through that school where the game just turned professional in 95, 96, and then I turned pro in 99 and then debuted in 2000 as a young kid and then played through the whole 2000s. And the salary cap was, I think, 2.8, 2.3 million when I first started. And then it's tripled. It's like nearly 10 million right now in, in um, what, 20 years. So I can see the whole, I've seen the game grow and I've seen it, you know, come through the Super League and then come into the 2000s battling with, you know, uh, with AFL. And then we get through the 2000s and 2010s and we start signing these big deals. And we're going to sign one of the biggest sporting deals per capita in sports history mm. in the last three years. So the game has come a long way, and I just don't see it going away. So I've seen the game change. I've seen it go from, through, through some shit out the other end. But this is the this is the biggest the biggest challenge that the game's faced. Yeah, easily. It's just it's just it's we don't know what's going on. The worst thing is that's when I mean, you can cop a little bit of bad publicity every now and again, fucking Super League war, whatever, like bad publicity, bullshit things that players have done, and how the administration is, all that kind of stuff. You can cop that easily. 
But a pandemic? The difference no, with no the one difference sets out with, for that shit. The difference with Super League was that the problem with Super League was that there was too much money. Yeah, it there was. was there was problem. There was money coming from Dude, just Murdoch, a million dollars coming. in like ninety six. Yeah, seven year deals. Oh no, it was ridiculous. So so having too much money. If you look at that, like yeah, okay, it, it disrupted the game. But this is the exact opposite. Now you're in a position where. You're not in control. Not, of you things. don't have enough money. The worst is, you don't. You're not in control. You have not. You, you don't have enough money. I don't. People don't know what's going on. You got players that are in limbo, and I don't know. I just, I just feel sorry for the players and administrators. Todd Greenberg, Belandi's doing such a great job, but what, what can they do? It's not in their hands. Shit that you can't control would is the worst. Mm. The only things I stress about is the things that I can't. Is the things that I can control and can't control. You stress about both of those both things of equally. Yeah, no. that was good. That was very insightful. <laughs> you know what I mean. If I can't control the situation, I don't stress at all. No, you don't. You're not a stressor. You know, but like if you're sitting at home now, like, and I know players are built different and a lot of families are built different, a lot of wives and a lot of pressure from the kids. The kids are at home. A lot of all this shit that's happening to these guys that used to go on to training at this, this and this, everything's set out. And all of a sudden you've got to be home for like a month maybe. I actually, yeah. Months. I mean, I must say, it's it's difficult. It's fucking crazy, man. These it's guys... so such a huge part of your life. Like sport is such a huge part of your life, and that's been. And I think for this last weekend, there was still rugby league to watch. Right. You know, and I think Nothing, the A League yeah. was still going. I mean, no one watches A League anyway. You're just gonna but... have to watch YouTube highlights of me again the whole weekend. It's just all I've got <laughs> on my computer is just highlights. But it is. It's like, what do we watch? I mean, at least I was. We were sitting at home. Super sad. They had three games. Yeah. Like you'd have to. Put it on mute because I can't fucking listen to anyone on Channel Nine or Fox. But like, I'd watch it, and at least it was a little bit entertaining. But now, like, what do we do? Talk to each other. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not part of that generation where I don't talk to people. So I'm fucking. <laughs> I'm sweet. We always. I have conversations with people, so I'm not that torn away from everything. You know. I like, will only talk to you from now on if you sanitize your hands. No, I mean, I know. There yeah. you go. How many times like, you are as – I don't think people at home realise that you are an actual pharmacist. It's not a fucking joke. Um, how many times a day should you wash your hands? Do you know what? Put the hand sanitizer down. Use the soap. Wash your hands. Yeah, Just I'm be a normal. big soap man. Yeah, it's soap. You're a big soap man? <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we did do over the last couple of weeks, Will, is that we have had a little bit of a punt on some of the games. Uh, some of us have been successful and some of us have mm. been less successful. I won't go into – People Why know, and what? Know. It does no, but it doesn't matter who, because we're a team, William. What has happened is you are actually quite involved with Neds, and yes. you do some ambassador work with yep. them, which is great. So, Will, I've actually got a tip in Brisbane this Saturday, race mm. three, number three, Mawani Machine, and I tell you what, it is not short. If you get on, there is some value there. What each so, way on the nose? Each way. That's, Go a, each that's way. the only lingo I know. Well, you've done well. So, well, hang on. All What's right. your okay? What is your tip then, right. Sensei? Right. Um, well, Look at you is... looking up your phone. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that we we're actually going to do a little bit of a punt today, so I just reached out to a couple of my sources. So, my man PK down in Melbourne, I would come visit you, but I can't get onto the fucking border. Um, Saturday, Bendigo, race one, number two, Grand Promenade. Grand Promenade? Yeah. In Bendigo. Uh, out of 10, I'll be like nine out of 10 that it's going to win. You'd be nine out of ten. Yeah. Well, to so, be honest, you're two hundred and thirty dollars up yeah. so far. So I do know what are a lot we of people do? in the gambling game. We're going to put fifty each mm. on those. 
Mine's All straight right. on the nose. Yep. Yours is on the nose. I'm going to put 25 each way. Right, on right. Mawani Machine, which is a beautiful grey horse, and I wish it all the best. <laughs> what we are going to do is... Have you met Mawani? I have met Mawani. Oh, okay. Nice horse. If we can continue to roll through this, and, and our good friends at Ned's obviously are going to help us doing this, um, what we'd like is, is for clubs to get in contact if they can, let us know, I guess, who they are and what they're about, mm. and we'll pick a club, uh, and we'd love to be able to help. Yeah. I'd love to help every club, but... You know, um, you know, Neds are going to put in for this, and um, it'd be a great cause. Whoever whoever wins, just slide into the DMs, the take with Willie Mason, all that kind of stuff, and come up with why your club is and why it should, why it's the best, and why it deserves our help. I would strongly suggest William that you gamble responsibly. I always do, always gamble responsibly. So I tell you what, Will, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Basically dominated by coronavirus. We, however, are not going to stop. We've decided that we enjoy doing this mm. and thankfully people are listening to it. So yeah. we are going to come up with new and exciting ways for us to fill the podcast Just, yeah. every week. I think uh, with everybody going to be – everyone's going to be at home. So a lot of time for TVs, a lot of time for podcasts. I mean, if you listen to our podcasts, obviously a little bit different than everyone else, everybody else's. Everyone sort of talks about the same shit, but – we talk about some different things. I was the last two weeks has been, you know, our content's mainly been this coronavirus because it's dominating the world. It's, it's, a, it's affected the whole world and it sucks. But I have to, we have to talk about it. I don't come in with notes. I don't, you don't come in with notes or anything. I mean, you might have a couple of little things here about whatever. But like, I just, I, I really speak from the heart, and I just, I watch a lot of things. I don't try and watch too much mainstream. All that kind of shit. So what I really tell the the listeners is is from the heart and whatever I'm thinking. So it's not scripted. It's not bullshit. It's just you know for all my listeners and all our listeners, like they know what we're about. It's not this show that's talking, you know, bullshit just to get ratings. There's no. I've agenda. There's no I've agenda. known you for a long time, and I can honestly say that the inside of your head is a strange and wondrous thing. It's mm. something that I would like everyone to try and get to know because I feel as if I need to use hand sanitizer every time we talk for long periods of time. But I tell you what, if you get to know Willie the way I know him, then you're all in luck because he's a wonderful human being and we're going to have plenty for you over the next few weeks. Yeah. We, well, I mean, we'll try. We're going to try. We've got some really good sponsors. We've got Neds. We've got everything coming up. So there's a lot of content to be to be spoken about. I mean, the NRL is on halt. We're all suspended for a little bit, but life continues and we're going to be here every week. Just talking about anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be NRL. You can just you can you can slide into the DMs and just just say talk about whatever. You know, like can you can you mention this? Can you mention that? I'll answer anything. I mean, we're, obviously not everything. Not but. everything. We're we're definitely you know we've been very very keen on um, you know the social media side of it. I'm not very good at it. You're better at it. We're both not good, but we're learning. Yeah. We actually had. Uh, a bloke on our Instagram page, IG, that's uh, what the kids call it these days, Will. <laughs> and he wanted to know, his name is Campbell, and he would like to know. Campbell Scott. Campbell man, Scott. I follow him. Well, he would like to know just one story about a kangaroo tour. Yeah, Can you do I that see, for him? Yeah, I seen him on the socials last night and I said, you know, we, we would answer anything. Uh, he, oh, I think he's about 30-something years old, so he sort of knows what happens in the 2000s was the kangaroo tools that were pretty real. And it wasn't all the shit that's going on now. I mean, obviously, with social media and all that sort of stuff, the, the 
players have changed, everything like that. But during the 2000s, it was still there's a lot of knockabout, knockabout blokes, and and we all heard stories about the 90s and uh, 80, 86 kangaroo tour and the 90, 92 and 90, all, the, all these kangaroo tours. Like, damn, when I was younger, I always wanted to go on kangaroo tour. I ended up going on four, which is amazing. And I'm like, wow. So now I can look back on it and reflect. And when he said that last time, I was like, fuck, damn, which, which, which tour is it? Which one can I, which one can I pick? But I'll, I'll go back to 2003. I'm 22 years old. You got the, you got the Minicellos. You got Mick Crocker's, Darren Lockyer's captain, Shane Webke, Petro Sivanasiba, all these household, name now, household names now. Back then, they weren't that massive. We were only young kids, my first kangaroo tour. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you everything that happened on the Kangaroo Tour. It's best you don't. That's, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Gordon Tallis dropped out, Andrew Johns dropped out, all these big leaders. Because this was after the 2001 uh, Twin Towers attacks. So everyone was scared of fucking um, terrorists and all that sort of stuff still. And there was threats about to, to go into Australia and all this stuff. We're young kids going, fuck that. I want to go on tour. So these, so, we, so they picked a heap of young of We made the final four that year. Roosters made the grand finals. It was a hell of a lot of Roosters players, Penrith players, Bulldogs players and some Brisbane and everyone else sort of sporadically spread out. It was, um, it was a really good team, but really young at that time. Probably, I think I only played like maybe three tests at that time. So like Minnie hasn't played one yet. Like Shannon Hegarty, all these sort of blokes, Matty Singh, all these legend dudes now. And I'm thinking of them, I was like, no one knew each other. That's the whole thing. The whole difference now between Australian teams and the teams that are played in the future, everyone knew Everyone knew each other. It was such a great big bond. Oh, Danny Badiris is one of the greats as well. He was on that tour. Um, but no one knew each other. I didn't really know that many people. We only played Origin that year. And it was only like probably Bedsy, which I've known since a young kid. But I didn't really know him on a professional level. Like Minicello, Croc, all these sort of blokes. All about nearly the same age. Like, fuck. How are we going to get to know each other? So Chris Anderson, he's the fucking best Aussie coach of all time. He goes, all right. You boys don't know um, anyone. You don't know each other. Anyway, I'll actually, I'll actually rewind a little bit. So on the flight over, remember David Boone's fucking record? Mm-hmm. 52 so Dave, cans. Yeah, 52 cans. So me, uh, Mick Crocker and myself, he's like, let's go break, let's break that record. And I'm like, oh, no, not really. So we, they had the whole, we were sponsored by Qantas, had the whole front bus, two stories. Um, it was just the Aussie team. And cut off. So we had the whole there was music playing. That's it for was, the best, to be honest. That was that <laughs> that helped everyone else on that plane survive. <laughs> like so we had so we sat there and we drank. So Croc and I, we had music playing. It was this is before you had no speakers, they would play it for our fucking through some device. Um, and we had I think I think we had thirty five by the time we got to Singapore. So it's well on effort. our way. It's not we're well effort. on our way. Well on our way and we're like I think the coach was looking at a side. Was like, "What are you just doing?" You fucking blokes were just fucking passed out in the in the in, in the aisles and ordering club sandwiches and everything like that. It was a bit crazy. Anyway, so we could, we pulled the pin about halfway. I think we got about forty. I reckon we would have broken Booney's record. I don't reckon like, you would have. I honestly think we did. If we had it, it's easily it's attainable. It's a record that's attainable. Anyway, we get off. Chris Anderson goes, "All right, you boys don't know fucking anyone. You don't know each other. You got six days in Barcelona." by yourselves, get to know each other. All you have to do is be in the, we stay at the top of the La Rumblers, get nine o'clock every morning you meet there and you go for a 10 minute jog and that's it. Not a bad start. Not a bad, that's, that's, that, that was our start. Get to know each other, boys. You don't know fucking anyone. I didn't, we didn't see Opes for like six days and the whole team, I mean, if you've been to Barcelona and if you're in your 20s, you'd know what's going on. 
you can read between the lines. I'm obviously not going to give you everything, but yeah, six days in Barcelona, and then we went on to the Kangaroo Tour. I believe there was a bloke with a lizard on his shoulder at one point, William. Yeah, I think one time. I think uh, yeah, Gowie. You could buy all these exotic animals in Barcelona. So Gowie was my roommate, and he had a, a iguana. <laughs> the iguana stuck with him for four days on his shoulder. Iguanas are very loyal pets for four days. <laughs> so loyal. We let him go. It was like a big memorial sort of thing. We let him go into a tree at the end of it. Uh, like um, it was it was sad by the end of six days. Did everything Gow- everything did- was sad by six days. I was going to say. And then uh, Luke Rickardson bought a chinchilla. We had a chinchilla sitting there. Can you explain what a chinchilla is to the listeners? It's like a little furry animal. People like actually murder them, idiots, and make coats out of them. Wankers, but we had a little chinchilla for about four or five days. It was just rolling with us, and um, I forget the na- uh, Stein. Stein was the name of the iguana because I actually had a lot of time with Stein because Gary was my roommate. Did you fall in love with iguanas? Would you? Say? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a bizarre tour, and I think it goes down as easily one of the best tours of all time. Well, what um, that shows, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you get in contact with us on the socials, we will definitely see them and we will definitely engage with you. And we really actually quite enjoy seeing what people have to say. We, we, we'd like to be part of something bigger and we'd love to be answering anything that you send us. Yeah. So please There's do. There's nothing. I mean, obviously, the little things off limits like you know, stuff, that stay, stuff that went on tour. It's obviously going to stay there. So Other than the you, iguana. Can, yeah, I mean, the iguana is hilarious. You talk to anyone in 2003, they know who Stein is. Following Willie Moore and Moore. Oh, In the NRL. There's Willie Moore. That's forgotten how big Willie's actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Wow. Oh, you got skill, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for that. been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network. 